Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Cephalo, correct? Cephalo. 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 And author of Rat Snakes, a book about being undercover, ATF, and all the shit that goes down with that. And before, I'm going to go off. No, I was going to say I'll let you introduce yourself. But I was going to say, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. This is this one was hilarious. It was interesting. It was thrilling, but it was hilarious. It's very and comedy isn't necessarily a requirement for a good audiobook, but it definitely it strings you along a lot better. When it started, and I was like, all right, all right, and then yeah, it's like two minutes in, and you're like, who's this dumb motherfucker? This tall, handsome asshole? And I was like, all right, all right, I feel it. And you're and then yeah, you're like he comes up and you're like, who's this faggot grabbing my balls? I was like, all right, not po- not politically correct. This guy's my man. So I just wanted to say it's fucking hilarious. The book will be in the description and in the top comment. Rat Snakes. I listened to it in one day. It's about about a seven-hour audible listen. It's worth it. I would listen to it. It's awesome. But before I keep going in, how about you introduce yourself, sir? Wow, that, that was uh, quite the introduction. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I haven't heard a lot about the audio book because, well, first of all, I don't know that much about the industry, so I don't know if audiobooks are a big deal or if a lot of people go for those nowadays or yes. people prefer to have the book. Um, but it was really weird when we were trying to uh, decide who to get to read it. And they sent me a couple guys to practice, you know, uh, they did a sample read and it just didn't feel like, was, like it was me. Yeah. Um, and I went through that a few times and finally I, I settled on one and said, you know, you got to pick somebody. Yeah. So I didn't know. I don't never heard the book. I've yeah. heard little excerpts that they sent me, but I've never heard how it flows or if it, you know, captures the, the true story and all that. I cannot believe you didn't read this. You didn't read it. Your voice is per. I say this to every guest I have on that writes an audio. One, you said you don't know about Audible. Audible is huge. I am 30 years old. I'm a grown-ass man, but I will not sit down and read a book. I cannot pay attention. But when it's on Audible, walk around. I can shit, shower, shave, go for a walk, go to the gym, you know, do whatever, and I just have it playing. That's the only way I can. I can't pay attention for two minutes, man. But if it's on Audible, I just listen throughout my day, and I take it all in. You have a perfect voice for it. I can't believe you grabbed the narrator. Some well, it, that came up. Um, you should have read it, it man. Was in conversation, but at the time, and I was in the middle of writing the book, editing it, um, going through all the legal hoops and everything. They needed it done. They needed it done in ten days or something like that. And they said it would be ten to twelve hours a day. Or ten or twelve days straight, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I just didn't have the time yeah. to sit down in a quiet room with a sure. professional audio guy sure. and do that. I would have rather. I would have preferred. It would have been a lot more fun, dude. I think you should do it. I, this is what I always tell guests. Again, I tell them, I'm like, they always say, you know, we got to do it right. You got to get a narrator. You got to hire someone. I tell every guest, I'm like, I will have you on my podcast. And I'll just leave the room, and I'll just let you read your book. You just read it for 12 hours. And I'll, you have a great voice for it, man. It's awesome. I didn't know what your voice sounded like until the second you you popped up on here. And I was like, oh, this is fucking perfect. But, yeah, man. it's Yeah, well, 
30 years of Chesterfields and whiskey and you two can have a voice like this. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I imagine I will one day if I can keep this podcast going. At some point, I'll have that voice, and I don't care. I think it's awesome, man. You got that voice. Alex Jones has that voice, just that gravelly voice. I wish I had it, but I don't. I'll have so you went to University of Georgia, huh? Yes, sir. I went. Did Athens, I ever arrest you? Actually, I was a fairly tame child there. I was a straight A student. I did steal a couple of mailboxes, and I never got arrested for that. So, whoever's, if anyone's listening to this in Georgia, you know what? I'm thinking I wouldn't be like copping to a federal offense on a. A live stream uh, podcast. Yeah. I'm sure that was just a joke, anyway. Yeah, it was a, it was a joke. Wink, wink. Nine years ago, but it was a joke. But living in Athens, Georgia, it was weird because just to start. And if you can't tell this book, this podcast, there's no routine. There's no there's no topic. So we just go all over the place. Yeah, I remember you talking about the barber shop in the middle of Athens, and I was like, holy shit! I know exactly what you're talking about. Granted. This was years before I was there, 2011 to 2014. But I know exactly what you're talking about. I've sat in there so many times, so exhausted, but just gone in there and got my head shaved. I know it was, it was just weird talking about. And then not only that, the guy that was the barber said an old black guy. But I was there as a young white woman. But he said, yeah, you guys brought him in. And you're, you know, in court, you're like, you know, you're selling moonshine. And he was like, well, I didn't know it was illegal because everyone over there buys it from me. <laughs> And everyone in the court kind of looked Dude, down. That, you, that stuff you can't make up right there. I know. I know. The classic city. Yeah. Probably the best job I ever had. Yeah. It's it's my friends in and uh, I had friends from Valdosta and I also had friends from uh, White County and they would always and they lived in a uh, they lived with us in Athens, but they always used to bring moonshine. We'd have that on a game day. Oh shit, get you so fucked up you can't see straight by eleven in the morning. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, game days were not my favorite days when I was working police department there. I bet there. that was hell on earth. Oh, man. It was 14-hour days, all hands on deck. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah, you got to... Man, it's enough to just deal with the shitheads there already. Because, you know, it's Friday. You've been work studying all week, and it's like, we're going to go out and get hammered. Game days was... I had a friend that moved down from Boston to do a master's program there. And I remember his first game day. He was like, you think he was like, a, it was like he was having a religious experience. He was looking around and he was like, the, the legends are true. <laughs> I was like, fuck yeah, they are. But yeah, but to get into the ATF, I will say above all else, and it's I can honestly say it's very infrequently that a book does this to me, is your book, a book I always mention on this podcast is Raven Rock, and it's a book about nuclear bunkers from, from FDR through Obama. And um, living up here in Maryland, it kind of changed my perspective on like, oh, like how it's stuff that you you would never guess there could be a nuclear bunker right there. And if the president is in town, they drop down. So I use that as an example to say that changed my perspective on like just how I view the world. You know, every tower you see, is that a telephone tower or is that an emergency presidential relay? Listening to your book, that that changed my um the model I have in my head, which is all we have are models, but of like the power structures in society. I had this very, uh, there are the people that go to work, they do their jobs, there's the government, the army and the borders, and that's it. Listening to your book, it's like there's like competing factions of unofficial power just under the surface. Bikers or gangbangers or drug runners or counterfeiters or, and that was crazy to me. 
is that there's a whole there's like a Game of Thrones going on just under the surface. I've never heard book that way. You should write a book. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, that was one of the things that drew me to ATF was the dynamic nature where where there's guns, there's drugs. Where there's drugs, there's guns. When there's cat, where there's counterfeiting, there's guns. Um, where there's uh, you know international espionage, there's guns. Yeah. So basically an agent could in an active agent in the right place at the right time could virtually touch every aspect of criminal enforcement that that you can think of everything from money laundering to uh you know trafficking human trafficking uh so it it was a very dynamic job you know we focused on violent crime and firearms um but you know as you saw in my book it can take you off course real quick yeah there's no such thing as an average day during my time in the atf yeah and that's that's kind of what i got thinking is i've had on this podcast several times dale comstock who was in delta force for like 20 years and you know this guy's a patriot through and through and serves his country but he also always kind of alludes to like yes i serve my country and i love my country but like I'd be lying through my teeth if I said it had nothing to do with the adrenaline rush of taking down a compound in the middle of the night. Listening to your book, it's like this guy definitely, you know, good God-fearing American who wants society to be safer. So I was like, there's a part of Mr. Sheffaloo that's like, this job is insane. This job is better than any drug, right? Putting on a wire and a gun and a bunch of a bunch of agency Absolutely. cash. Absolutely. Yeah. It was most fun I've ever had with my clothes on. <laughs> well, in your book, actually, a lot of times, not all the agents had their clothes on. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> but, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would have done that job for free if I didn't have so many bills. <laughs> I mean, come on, they gave me a gun and a badge and said, go forth and conquer. Yeah, really, yeah. Go, yeah. And sit behind a desk and push pencils? No, you're going to go into this bar and try to get initiated into this bike gang. Chicks showing their tits, guns going off, heroin and AKs everywhere. And you get a paycheck. Yep. <laughs> no, it was, a, um, it was a very rewarding career. The best part, as you can tell from the book, are the people I met. Yeah. Yeah, family. Because uh, you know, I always, I always said, you know, I wasn't the best agent, best undercover around, but I knew the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I worked around them day in and day out. Yeah. You know, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, fun to watch them operate. Yeah, and it's, I was going to say, yeah. So you, I, I, I can't like not, I can't not avoid this. I have to like hone in on this. So we were talking about how at any given time you can overlap with all aspects right counterfeits or that trunk full of claymores and bombs right to kidnapping to again whatever guns drugs but then there's that one and it led to what the hell is going on does this have something to do with the cia and to me that made the hairs on my neck stand up for everyone listening i don't want to spoil the book but for everyone listening can you just give a brief recap of that? Because that that was some movie shit. Yeah, that that um, I had several of those. Okay, that um, kind of went to work thinking, you know, I'm going after a, a suspected bomber or a suspected gun runner or something, and found myself in the middle of a 
government-wide, you know, clandestine operation or something like that. And that was uh, very bizarre because you don't want to believe it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you get there and the information starts flowing and you're just scratching your head going, can't be true, didn't something, somebody's trying to embellish here. This just doesn't happen in real life. This is, like you said, too much like a movie. Mm -hmm. And then you start doing your due diligence. In fact, I don't even know that I... I don't think in the book I I told the part of one of the stories where um, I know that um, I told the story where I had to meet the guys and they said, come along and that whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that turned out when I did meet the guys ultimately and I got, they gave me what their bona fides, which is when it started to come kind of, unravel and I was like whoa there's something anyway they put me in a point to with a point of contact in Washington DC in one of the federal agencies one of the intelligence agencies said call this number and I called the number and lo and behold it was the person the lieutenant colonel who replaced Oliver North holy shit at the NSA holy shit yeah, well, that's kind of was my response. Oh. And, you know, I did the due diligence. I had our liaison confirm who I was talking to in D.C. and that it was legit. And I, it was just creepy talking in code. Yeah. You know, he would he would validate that um, these guys I was talking to, he'd validate their credibility, but he would go no farther, wouldn't discuss, you know, anything other than to validate if either of those people are telling you something it is credible or yeah. whatever however yeah. he said sure. it at the time and i went and he said no nah, i got i've got to go now and that was the end of the conversation i was like what have i gotten yeah. into yeah that's you just you just saw something you weren't supposed to see right that's that trippy that made it did it started to give me goosebumps because again someone like me just a 30-year-old who admittedly loves everything about conspiracies and intelligence and clandestine and, and black ops and it's all, you know, shadows. I love. I mean, that's why I have guys on like you on my podcast because I just – I can't get enough of it. I geek out. But I'm also someone that like wants that to be true. There's like a part of me that like wants it because I'm just so attracted to it. So I say all that to say this. It's weird when a no-bullshit guy like you is putting this in his book because it's like – so this – you're not like me. You're not. You don't want this to be true, but you had to put it in because process of elimination. It was, you know, you get to a point where, like you said, your due diligence, the, the the information starts surfacing, and you start going, "There's smoke," and I know that guy has fire. You know, come on. At, at one point, th- does it connect? And it's, yeah. Like I was, I was. There was some relief because I was like, the fact that I'm listening to this book that was written by Mr. Sheffalu that tells me that he wasn't killed by the cia <laughs> but like in my mind i was like a guy like you right so you go up against all these badass guys right all these you know asshole under all these violators and you put them away at what point and this is as me someone who's not married with no kids at what point did it did it ever did it ever i mean specifically the like sort of the cia thing 
at what did you ever look at it and think like do i just walk away from this just stop asking oh yeah absolutely okay absolutely yeah um well in one occasion i i don't think i went into this in the book at all there was another investigation and it had to do with a a large um seagoing tugboat filled with arms um like militarized arms, sure. you know, RPGs, machine guns, what have you. And it was going out of the country, yeah. which was sort of odd, you know. Yeah. Um, and long story short, when we got to the nuts and bolts of it, I showed up at work one day and my boss said, bring me the, the uh, file on the Aladdin, I think it was the name of the boat. And I brought him the work, the official file. He goes, no, 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 no. I need your work file too. And I was like, what do you, just get me your work file, which contains all your field notes, little scraps of paper, you know, informants, you yeah. know, everything yeah. that you just don't normally put in an official government file, sure. you know? And um, so I brought it to him and he said, that'll be all, um, move on to something else. This investigation's closed. And I said, well, 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 you got to tell me more. He said, I don't got to tell you nothing more. I'm the boss, but for your edification, um, we were asked to close the case. I said, by whom? He said, the FBI. I said, they can't ask it. He said, well, the FBI was told to close the case. And I said, who told? And he said, and that was the end of that conversation. And I was like, oh, you know what? Here, take it. I don't want it. I scratched my name off of everything. This was supposed to be a simple criminal investigation with some bad guys and some cool covert undercover surveillance. Uh, this is starting to get out of my comfort zone. Yep. You're going to come home and there's going to have been. But I was always wanting to, to know. Yeah, sure. You yeah. know, ultimately, I did find out it was part of the Ollie North guns to the Contras and. Jesus Christ in heaven, man. That's some Yeah, and it's not stuff you expect or even try to walk into. No, absolutely you not. Know? You try to walk away from that. <laughs> you just you try to that's something where someone looks at you and says, just go home and you go, Okay. I'm just gonna go home, right? It's because if I'm you, I'm looking at that and I'm like, This is when people don't walk away from this, this is when there are gas leaks at your house, right? This is when there are a drunk driver hits your you know, hits your wife's car at five in the morning, right? This is your, you know, your mailbox gets blown up. This is, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. I feel better. I feel better hearing you say that. Like, yeah, I did walk away. I was like, okay, good. All right, good. It's, but you, correct me if I'm wrong. You didn't, you didn't mention that in your book, though. You didn't no. mention the. Is no. that on purpose? No. Okay, it's just. just- you know, um, I was trying to stay focused yeah. and narrow the scope of the book. And so, when are you write? When are you writing your second book about your brushings with with international um, crime I'm rings? Make some good money off my first book. <sighs> How about you should just write a? You should just write another book and just do like a couple chapters. Don't need to be a full blown out book. Just, just because that the whole thing is sexy, but that is like some Hollywood sexy. Right, give me the notes. Give me everything. You don't need to know. Here's a phone. Call this number in DC. Who is this? And it's like, dude, if those are if you have those stories 
and I don't know why I'm telling you this. You're my senior. You you have the experience, but because I'm an arrogant asshole, I'll telling you. You need to get those stories out, man. You, you come on this Bush. podcast, get them out. It's 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 not out of the realm of possibility. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah, I start selling enough books to where it makes it worth my while. Yeah. Because there ain't nothing. I don't do nothing for free. Yeah, I, I drink. No, I drink and I smoke for free. Well, those are good. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no. And by no means am I telling you to do it for free. But those are definitely leverage those stories. I mean, I've had on a lot of people that are that are authors. I, I can see who I can put them in touch with because that is that's some real life. Those are some real life stories, and I don't want to. I'm not telling you to give them to me, and I put them on my podcast. Right, I'm right, not trying. Right. To, no, I get you. Yeah, yeah. It's. But man, well, and, and what's interesting is with the complexion of the world today, and the state of law enforcement, yeah. and the politically correct, um, risk averse leadership nowadays will probably not produce a lot of these stories in the future. I mean, there will always be. Go getters. There'll always be FBI agents, ATF agents out there, CIA operatives out there doing what they do as hard as they can do it, but not at the level and with the vigor. You know, we basically had a blank check and uh, uh, shit and get posse that boss didn't want to see you in the office. You know, that that's just a standard thing. You come in office. You better be doing paperwork, otherwise he'd be asking you, you know, yeah. who's going to turn themselves into you today? Why yeah. are you in the office? Yeah. Bad guys are out there. Yeah. And it's just changed a lot in the last 10 years or so, and it it seems to be getting more and more restrictive and um, just harder, you know, with the bureaucracy to, to operate. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have to fight back against that because it's not just going to – it's not just going to get better, you know. It's not like, not like when you have a rash or something, and it's like you can the rash can get better. Excuse me, by simply not touching it, stop scratching it, and it will go away. This isn't one of those things that goes away. This is why I, this is why I go out of my way to kind of be an asshole on this podcast. That's why you know I don't say I don't say racial slurs, but that's I don't you know I don't mind saying you know that guy's a faggot or that guy's retarded or you know what it's not okay to burn and loot cities. It's you know. It's not, I don't like people shitting on America. Like, if you don't like this place, get the fuck out, you know? I don't care about political correctness. Hey, a bunch of Muslims took down the World Trade Center. That's a fact. Fuck off. So I say those things because if I don't say them, in my mind at least, and I'm a flawed human, I have my own cognitive dissonance, and I could be wrong. But I think it's just going to get harder and harder and harder to say them until it becomes impossible to say them. So that's why I, I... kind of go out and say all of it now is to sort of keep the keep the 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 tide at bay if that makes sense well at that point at this point that's probably about all we can do sure you know um this big argument this you know i've got a lot of border patrol friends immigration friends you know um those guys are tough and they got a real tough job and so when i hear people running them in the ground for doing their duty, which, by the way, keeps a lot of really bad people out yeah. of this country. Yeah. Um, you know, repeat offenders, recidivists, not, 
narco terrorists and everything. Um, it really chaps my ass that we can't say illegal Mexicans or illegal aliens coming across the border. You know, we would say the same thing of a bunch of six foot blonde Swedish yeah. Nordic exactly. downhill skiers were sneaking in from Canada. Exactly. We'd say them illegal Swedes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the fuck they are. Ill- they're undocumented. No, they're fucking illegal. They get in dr- they they don't have to pay for shit when they get in car wrecks. They're leeching off the social security programs that your parents can't leech off of. And not only that, there's no fucking law and order down there. Those cartels run shit. So when people come over the border covered in drugs, unmarked weapons, or human trafficking, but we don't want to say anything because it's not politically correct. If that is our mindset, then you know what? We deserve to get taken over. Yeah, but that's the problem is that's that's a bunch of uh, people who sit in ivory towers. Exactly. And have, you know, armed security. And- yep. Yeah, you know, electrified fences around yeah. their mansions. Yeah, and they don't give a fuck. Else. They don't give a fuck, right? It's like those actors that say shit at like the Golden Globes and the, how they give their anti-gun speech. Might as you well. You don't see anybody going out to the Hollywood fucking with those people. Nancy Pelosi lives in the shittiest city in the country, and I, and I don't. No pun intended, <laughs> but I can say that because I'm from there. Yeah, I'm born and raised yeah. in San Francisco. Yes, sir. And the Democrats have destroyed yeah. that city. Yeah. It used to be the most beautiful, romantic city in the world. Oh, yeah. And now now I wouldn't go in there for fear of catching hepatitis or whatever. Absolutely. But you know what? I'll bet you get within six square blocks of, of Nancy Pelosi's mansion, nothing. I bet yep, it's beautiful. 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 Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're goddamn right. I mean, that's so why— people like that can— you know, are making judgments for the rest of us. Yeah, well, it's it's limit it's limousine liberals, right? Do as I say, not as I do, right? It's yep. it's my favorite thing is is all those again those actors and actresses, right? They'll be out there on the red carpet, being like, "Thank you for coming. This is just a beautiful night." And really, I mean, we need to get rid of guns. Meanwhile, if you look around them, you can see just off the corner, what do those guys have just underneath their suits? Full auto. You see the guys they got the they got the ACOG scopes on their on their M4s and they're just standing looking around and we need to get rid of our guns, right? That's 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 I, that's what pisses me off. Is like, all right, you first, right, right, right. Yeah, you know, I don't because I don't have armed guards. I'd sure like them, <laughs> but no, it's it's it's. Well, that was a unique thing about working for ATF. Yeah, they're. Ours is the only jurisdiction that is um, addressed in the U.S. Constitution. There's no, there's no uh, constitutional amendment to say um, you can't counterfeit, or you can counterfeit, or you can do this, or can't do that. None of the FBI jurisdiction, none of the Secret Service, the DEA, none, not, no drugs are mentioned in the Constitution. Yeah. The firearms are. Yeah. And the right to bear them. Yeah. And so that puts us in a real, real tricky tightrope kind of situation. Yeah. Walking, walking that line, yeah. you know? Yeah. You no, know, it, it absolutely is because. Well, because it, again, it's like why? Are, yeah, why are these guys thinking that they can come in and take our guns, right? 
and it definitely gets very tricky. And I'll admit, you know, before I read your book, my mind was always, yeah, like, what is, what is the point of the ATF? Why, you know, it seems like they're just taking all the fun shit. But listening to your book, you definitely are like, oh, the, these are these are people that have gone to jail for murder for hire, right? These are people that are, and then you go, st- and like you said, you know, and then someone gets away with a gun and you're like, all right, whatever, someone slipped through. And then the next day, actual example, a mother killed in front of her kids on Thanksgiving with that gun. And it's like, okay, like I, I get it now, right? Where that guy, that the guy smoking meth and he's got all the claymores in his trunk or the other dude putting black powder and hand grenades while smoking a cigarette. There's only, I mean, I could, you know, sum it, sum it up by just saying, I, I either, you either took an illegal gun from a legal person or a legal gun from an illegal person. Yeah. Either the gun or the person was prohibited one way or the other. I've never taken a legal gun under the law or the constitution from a legal person who is allowed lawfully to possess or own a firearm. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And I know I, I, I believe you listening to your book. Yeah. I literally took a hundred plus firearms from Nell's angels. And I guess what? I gave a hundred firearms back to the freaking Hells Angels. <laughs> yeah, you talked about that and you're like, it's the least. Was it my greatest moment, <laughs> but it was law. It, you yeah. Know. Well, and that's and well, and that's and that's what I love and respect about it. And I love and respect about you is you're like it wasn't my favorite thing, but you're like, God damn, I had to do it. And you're like, they knew my face now, and you're like, fuck, I'm not gonna go home. But it's and this is all this is all speculation now. But kind of and also because I don't want to give away all the stories in your book, so go buy the book, you cheap assholes. Is let's speculate now because kind of back onto that sort of more, I guess, meta theme of these underlying factions of power, right? Is what do you think, what is going on right now with things where it seems like there are coordinated anarchist groups, something like Antifa or BLM, and they hide under the names of we're ending racism or we're ending fascism, but they're burning down cities, they're beating the shit out of people. Are there are there agencies? I mean, obviously you can't say anything because it would be it would it would uh, be opsec. But do you think that there are they have people inside of these groups? Oh, absolutely, That's- absolutely. And I, I don't even and and I'm not um, disclosing any classified or sensitive sure, sure, information. Sure. Um, you just have to have you know uh first one year of criminal justice training to know that we're going to do everything we can to gather intel and infiltrate if they're committing crimes which they are they are you know they're not peaceful protesters now you know what is no it was a peaceful protest was it was a million people going to dc yesterday and not one thing was burned or stolen right but uh, if I was on the job right now, I'd be I'd be inside those groups. I think you need to go rogue. I think you need to join. I would them. absolutely be inside those groups because it's try to find out where their funding's coming from. Because they show up at random places, and they, as someone that does graphic design, they show up with all the matching signs. That seems a and, little eerie. From out of state, 
out of nowhere, yeah. I, I have a hard time coordinating with one of my friends, and we're all college educated, what bar to meet up at across state lines for a reunion or something. Yeah, these guys can get a thousand people in the same city from different cities and states. Um, yeah. yeah, it, it is. They got a hell of a logistics uh, operation going. They've got, there's that there's no way that, and enough again, the Delta Force guys. They all said he's like they have like they have reaction times, they have response teams, they have food, they have they have hotels that they're all staying up. Like, come on, man! And somebody's paying for that. Somebody's yeah. None of this shit's somebody's free. Somebody's got to be paying for that. Yeah. And that, quite frankly, is a subversive activity. If you ask me, it's probably true. a violation of the Sedition Act. Yeah, insurrection. And I and think treason. there's enough jurisdictions we could go after them. Um. For criminal violations. Absolutely. You know, not for speaking their mind, but for criminal violations. Conspiracy to commit those crimes. Yeah. They don't just happen. Yeah. These people agree that at nine o'clock we're all gonna meet up at first and main street or whatever their plan is, and that's conspiracy. That's absolutely it. With their intent is to loot and beat people and do harm. Yeah. But you've got to have somebody who's willing to stand up to it. And um, as you can see, a lot of the leaders, and I, I, I don't even care if it's a Democrat or a Republican, liberal or conservative, problem, a lot of the leaders are caving yeah. to the social uh, noise they make. Yeah. And quite frankly, if, if we let this continue, we're heading for a real, real hard time. We absolutely It's are. easier to to get it under control or address it than it is. It's easier to keep up than catch up. Yeah, it's easy. Once we let this start becoming the norm and then people are sick of it finally and we get leaders with some balls who, you know, are follow their oath and decide they're going to protect the tax-paying citizens, um, then they're going to have a mess yeah. on their hand. Yeah, you're right, because it's becoming the norm. It's easier to prevent than it is to, right? It's easier to just go for a jog every day and eat an apple than it is to have a heart attack and have to nurse yeah. yourself back to health. But that's what we're seeing right now, right? That was kind of my... That was kind of the... Uh, I was just trying to think of a, a clever segue. I didn't have one to talk about my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can straight no, yeah. Anyway, back to rat snakes. I, I, how, about, how about just every three minutes, I'll just like blur out rat snakes, cheating death by living a lie. <laughs> I'll just like in the middle of whatever just, just we're talking Tourette's. about. I'll just, just Tourette's. Be like, I'll yeah, so I was going to the gym. Like yeah. I, I was just going to the gym yesterday and rat snakes, fuck! <laughs> rat snakes, unaudible, Kindle. Anyway, so yeah, I was, just, yeah, just have, start, have, I'll join you, man. I'll just, I'll start, I'll just start blurting. There it is, rat snakes. There it is, that's what I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Visual. There we go. We'll just we'll just put it right there for the rest of the pot now. But it's it'll be the thumbnail. It'll be the description. It will be the top comment, and I'll plug it. And like I said, you tell me you got like a million viewers. Do I have a million viewers? Yeah, that's what I want you to tell me. Oh, I can tell you I have a million viewers. <laughs> I'll lie to you. I have a million <laughs> viewers. <laughs> it's there. You go. That's all I want to hear. It's growing slow and steady. I tell everyone this. Just. Just watch. Just wait and watch. It'll 
and you know people kind of laugh at this but hey i was a i was almost a failing student my freshman year of college and then i woke up one day hung over my soft true story hung over my sophomore year realized i was a fuck up and decided i was going to be a doctor i went to the library every day for the next four years and i got into medical school i'm gonna make this the biggest podcast in the world people kind of laugh at it i'm like all right you'll see i think it'll take about a decade i truly i think it'll take around 2030 it'll be the biggest podcast in the world and like always people are going to make fun of me then they're going to criticize it then they're going to cheer me on then they're going to congratulate me and then they're going to ask me how i did it and then they're going to want to be on your show yeah and they can kiss my ass and then you're going to say well you know what i probably let you on five years ago you know for free yeah yeah (laughs) well you know what and i'm going to have i remember my original guests I'm going to be like, Chef Lou is on here. He was in the first 250. You're going to have a free reign to come back on. But yeah, it's, but it is, it's growing. It's, and I've had one author on here several times and he said he's noticed the biggest bump in his book sales. I can't guarantee that to anyone. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. You ever have my partner, Jay Dobbins on there? He's the, he's the, he also blew the whistle, right? On Fast and Furious. He was, uh, he wrote the book, No Angel. Yeah. I've tried to contact him and I can't get in touch with him. Can you I get, get your email. Please do. There are so many people that I try to get in touch with that I just I can't I can't get a hold of them. That's the hardest thing. It's just and I tell this to everybody. You know, guests that come on my podcast and you know they have their book or they have their product. I tell them I'm like, help me help you. You get me more guests, the podcast will get bigger and it will work out good for you as well. I'm fiercely loyal. I remember I remember those who come on, but. With rat snakes, fuck rat snakes. <laughs> is what is it? What? So the main thing—that <laughs> one line, that one line of you know, what if they ask me to do something illegal? And he goes, "It is your prerogative to get home to your wife and kids. Cash can be replaced. Guns can be found later. You can always go back the next day, but you are not replaceable. So you have to. So what if they hold hold a gun to my head and tell them, and tell them to suck my dick?" Well, sir, you better learn how to suck a dick. <laughs> that, that's a true story. I believe it. I know. That's a true story. And Pat Kelly, you think I'm gruff? You think I'm uh, uh, to the point, no bullshit? Pat Kelly make a grown man cry. <laughs> well, tell, him to, tell him to come on, man. I'll have him he on. Drink, you know, he, well, he can't. He passed a couple oh, years ago. But, Goddamn. Uh yeah, there. I, I met some real legends. Got to work beside some real legends. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I was laughing my ass off about. Uh, I legitimately. That's when I, I emailed you. I was legitimately. I was on the toilet and I laughed so hard I shit again. I thought I was finished shitting. His in your book, you're talking about that instructor who was just being a cunt to y'all, right? He was acting like you didn't know anything. Do you guys know how this is done? Yeah, no. he's a dick. Yeah. He was a dick. Fuck that guy. And he goes. Does it, do you have any idea how airborne surveillance works? I believe it's with a fucking airplane. <laughs> Dude, I, I laughed so goddamn hard at that. But, yeah, it's... So when you go for things like these biker gangs or these drug cartels or these human traffickers or explosives, uh, I guess, not experts, but thieves, traffickers, movers, is there... Do you have a sort of, and I don't know if this, if you'd have to like disclose like your, uh, or the ATF's methods, 
And but I'm looking at it from my mind, right? If I'm in your position, in my naive mind, I look at it. I'm like, there's a guy. He's got the gun. He's got the weed. Take him down. How? What is the balance between no? Let's wait until we can, right? Uh, one of the SEAL Team Six guys that was on Joe Rogan's podcast talked about. It. He was like, we don't go for the leaves. We try to draw back to the roots and the branches and get the big guys because then everything else falls. Do you do that with these like biker gangs, or do you just pin the first stupid motherfucker you can get? No, you're always you always want to make sure you get the most bang for your buck. Yeah. Um, if you go to the trouble and you make inroads into an organization, um, and you've got informants or you've got active undercovers going on, you know that's the perfect time to, you know, get as deep as you can, and that that that's where it starts getting tricky trying to negotiate with the bureaucrats because. You know, the longer time, longer exposure you have, the more threat there is. Yeah. Being compromised, dangerous situations that you can't get out of, you know, harm to the undercover agents, uh, burnout, all those things. But um, you just, every case is different. Some you go in, uh, they may be talking about, you know, lucrative future deals and this, that, and the other, but by your assessment, they either can't produce won't produce or it'll take too long and be too expensive to get to that next level or get that next production line. And you collectively, you know, sometimes bosses tell you, yeah. you know, we I've rocked a couple of undercovers where shit, we're weeks and weeks, maybe months into it and moving along and just locking down defendants, you know, uh, indicting violators all along the way. And they just hit this arbitrary threshold. The boss says, yeah, "Somehow time to move on." Just got closed. you know, and and a lot of times legitimately because well, the biker. I mean, we we talk a lot about the bikers, but bikers were not. They didn't always impress me all that much as being the biggest threat to American. Yeah, yeah, you know, communities. Yeah. But uh, not to say they're not a threat. Just sure. say they're not the biggest threat out yeah. there. But um. You know, you work in some bikers for a while, you get, you know, most of the patch members in a particular charter uh, indicted on charges. What, where's the point? Okay, so now you're going to move to the next state and go after another charter with all. Now you're crossing over into other fields of it, the time, the expense, and what have you. So there's a legitimate point where you have to say, you know what, we've done what we can do. We're going to put a dent in them, we're going to ding them good. Um, let's just rip them now. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, you know, then other cases dictate you can't come out yet because of A, B, or C. Yeah. We know that they are intending to blow up, you know, a government building. Yeah. And they're wanting to include you, but they're moving slow. Um, you know, we're just going to have to bite the bullet and keep going until we find out what they're going to do and where they're going to do it, you know? Yeah. And, and the uh, case, usually the case dictates a lot of times the agents, you know, I never like being told, shut down a case. Yeah. Time to move on to something else. Yeah. Um, we spend too much time or money on this particular case. But, you know, that's part of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff that you can't force or put time limits on, right? It's very yeah. For example, I was working the Atlanta Outlaws, 
they had 12 members in that chapter at the time 12 I think anyway um, so I indicted most of them and secured a warrant to uh, seize and forfeit the clubhouse and all that and we there were still things to do we still had um, other guys but I was in Atlanta and southwest Atlanta was eat up with gangbangers and, yeah. and you know inner city crime yeah and so here I am spending my time and resources on you know six or eight motorcycle riders over here who was slinging dope when they're shooting up southwest Atlanta so we had to adjust yeah. you know and, yeah and make a move that way yeah recalibrate re-engage yeah and it's we talk don't be using big words with me rat snakes rat snakes fuck rat snakes <laughs> I was trying to segue into that rat snakes it's um I'm just gonna make that my new my new tick. Rat snakes, just right. Um but um, can you hit pause while I go smoke a cigarette? Yeah, I gotta go pee anyway. Alright, how yeah. do you do that? Just walk away. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it afterwards. Yeah. Rat snakes. Rat snakes Mr. Chef Lou is out smoking a cig, smoking a stove, but I'm back here. I just pissed. Not that anybody's asking, but it's legitim legitimately a good book, guys. I mean, I know I plug a lot of audiobooks on here, but Rat Snakes is a good one. It's um, it's informing, but it's 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 funny. It's a lot like uh, if you've ever read um, I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell by Tucker Max. Um, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. It's got that vibe to it. Very relaxed, very informal, very rated R. It's funny, as you guys can tell through this interview with Mr. Chef Lou. Very down to earth. There's no, no idealism, no romanticism. It's it's real. And like I mean, like he's talked about, he's been involved in some real shit. I mean, neo Nazis, KKK, full regalia with like. Uh, like 60 foot tall burning crosses um this dude's done crazy shit uh, a lot of guns at a lot of people's foreheads shooting a gun out of their moving car into the water some dude throwing a pipe bomb out of the car but not realizing the window is down or the window is up and it bounced off um yeah and he's he 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 knows guys that were on the uh the waco raid the branch davidians with david koresh and uh knows guys that died and he knows guys that uh took their life after it because it affected them so negatively it's um 
But more than anything, as anyone knows that listens to this podcast, I, I love reading about all the agencies. And I'll admit, I never knew anything about the ATF. I legitimately didn't. And after listening to this, it's it completely makes sense. It completely, it, it does. It's, none of it is, I'll admit, yeah, before I read it, before, I, you know, in my mind, it was, yeah, it's alcohol, drugs, and smokes, you're taking away the fun shit. But no, it really, it's a, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of criminal fucks that uh, are basically having their tools taken away from them so they can't do more crime. And granted, that's a slippery slope, right? Government's here to protect you. We decide who's in trouble. So sure, I mean, I can get criticisms of it. But it's, there are a lot of shitty people out there. And you do, I do believe from my limited knowledge, the people I've talked to on this podcast, that there's only so much you can do through uh, blunt force and uh, uniforms and squad cars. And at a certain point, you have to go undercover. Rat snakes cheating death by living a lie. Rat snakes cheating death by living a lie. Rat snakes. But rat snakes. Rat snakes? Rat snakes. But... Rat snakes. Rat snakes. Rat snakes. Rat snakes. <laughs> I'll have a tattooed on my chest. It's... I was, I was just talking about when you were gone. I said he's done some crazy shit, and I, I've completely forgot. Yeah, when you talked about... You are like, we were outside that like, clan rally, and you were like, it started to it started to turn up. And you are right, and the, all of a sudden, these big 60-foot-tall crosses come out. They're putting on their... They're putting on their gay-ass uniforms, their hoods and shit. And you're like, oh, this thing's going to pop off. Like, right? There are guys with guns, and it's right out of a movie, right? Oh, dude, it was like it was like any um, American history modern-day action-adventure movie. Um, yeah, it was a powder keg. There was probably 500 law enforcement officers assigned to that particular rally um, in all capacities and of course it was on private property so they couldn't do shit sure. overtly so that's where we came in and um, were able to report and you know introduce ourselves around but uh, yeah it was it was a creepy I grew up I saw the FBI story the movie mm-hmm. really good movie by the way a bunch of years ago um with Jimmy Stewart and, and they had an uh, episode or a part of it, an act about the uh, Ku Klux Klan in the mm-hmm. 30s or 40s. And I remember thinking how scary that would be and everything. So when I'm here in the 1980s, never having really seen too many representations of white supremacy or clans or crazies like that, um, my first experience, it was, it was a little unnerving. A little hairy. That, right. that that there's that much hate yeah in the world yeah. in, in a segment you know yeah I mean it's like oh shit if they find out I'm Italian what if they know if find out I'm a Catholic yeah. come fuck they yeah. kill me but but really I mean I tell people all, all the time so I went to the University of Georgia but I did my first two years at Valdosta State University in Valdosta Georgia this was 2000 this was August 2009 to May 2011. I still tell stories. So I had lived in Atlanta from two or outside of Atlanta. I went to school in Atlanta from 2001 till 2009 and then went to college at Valdosta. They, the amount of unfiltered racism there blew me away. 
to the point oh, absolutely. It is, and you Hand mentioned it. and flyers around town, and oh, dude, it's marching in the street. Yeah, when I worked at a bar there, I got a job there my sophomore year. Started, I just did. I was a doorman, right? Half the people are underage, but they're like, you know, I remember them telling me. I remember the owner telling me. It was like, you know, very, very simple rules. You know, they gotta at least have a fake ID, right? Let them in. If their ID is that bad. Then technically in Valdosta, they had a rule where unlike Athens, you could go in if you were 18. They'd put a big X on your hand right, with, you um, yeah, with a with a neon arm armband, right? Couldn't drink, right? But they would go in. You, they were allowed to come in, and uh, like you had to have shoes on, right? So very simple, right? Got to have a fake ID. If they don't, got to mark them. You can't. Uh, they got to have shoes on. Oh, and um, number four, no N word. Excuse me. Yeah, just just no. You can say it, dude. No, no, no. I, 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 I will mean, get. I will get my channel taken off of YouTube. Really? I will. You can say just about anything else. It's, but you mentioned it in your book, and I, and it's. I'm glad you told the story because you were like, you know, like I'm not a racist, but this is what they said. I unfortunately trying to get monetized. I can't say that, but full on n i g g e r s hard r. Yeah, man, just none of them. And I was like, well, what? What am I supposed to say? Oh, just tell them they're at. And this is. I'm telling you the exact story. This just tell them they're out of dress code, but what if they're not out of dress code? Because Bubba can come in and yeah. I, what if he's wearing the same thing as everybody yeah, else? Or not even. What if he's just like a, a well dressed cat, right? Cool cat coming in, a guy's jeans, he's got a shirt. He's just going to try to get a lady. He's trying to get his fuck on, right? He's coming out. He's looking his Friday night best. What do I do then? Tell them that they're out of dress code and that they have to go change to this. Well, the reality is, is it's Friday night, right? You're 19, 20, whatever. You've already put your clothes on. You've pre-gamed. You went to a party. You guys got an Uber or a taxi or whatever. You're already down here. Come on. No one's going home. No one's. They're just going to the next door bar. And I was like, and what if that they, what if they have followed every rule and they come in? Oh, well, you just let us know. And what we'll do, I swear to God, what we'll do is we'll just turn on like country music instead of hip-hop and we'll also turn the lights on a little more because when the lights are off a bunch of ugly fucks like me right we can dance with girls when the lights are on they see how hideous i am and like, oh, fuck. so that's why the lights are off in the bar right we'll just turn the lights up and we'll turn on i just remember so i i just i didn't give a fuck i didn't give a shit i would just say come you on you know man. what the flip side of that coin is um they're a dying breed yes I mean, I, I suspect it'll always be around in some segment. Sure. There are just some people who just can't coexist on the planet for yeah. whatever reason. Because they're much morals. less race or whatever. But yeah. um, law enforcement over the, the years and decades has done a good job knocking their dicks in the dirt. Fucking right. I mean, they raise their head up, man. They're like whack-a-mole. Yep. They get too boisterous, like up the Aryan Nations or yeah. anything like that. Um they catch our attention we usually throw a lot of resources at those knuckleheads good good because that is some primitive shit that needs to be knocked back down in the dirt and there are a lot of stories about that in rat snakes i always like working those guys i always got a rat snakes i always got a lot of uh personal gratification satisfaction when i can put charges on those guys yeah yeah i mean that because they are by their own definition they're not trying to coexist yeah. And that is not that is not what America is. But so with that though, what is let's play the devil's advocate. What is the line you have to walk when it's private property and although horrific speech, free speech, what what is the line you have to walk? Never I never once 
Never once locked anyone up for anything they said. Okay. I've been around some pretty heinous shitty environments where things I can't repeat. Sure. Um have well, been said story, and done the, around me. But the stories are told in full in Rat Snakes. But um you know, you have to lawfully be there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but there's nothing says you have to be honest yeah. to lawfully be there. I mean, if I'm invited on to the premises or sure. to the event or sure. to the clubhouse, yeah. um, that's on them. Yeah. You know, that's just like um uh, inviting a police officer in your house and they see your weed sitting on the table, well shame on you, you shouldn't have invited a cop yeah. in there. Yeah, dipshit, you know. So and then there is a line there are times we've done everything we do is criminal investigation oriented. We're looking to perfect criminal charges against violators, uncover and identify violations, and then gather the necessary evidence to prosecute those charges in sure. a court of law. Sure. Sometimes you get in there and it's not readily possible. And all you're doing is collecting names of assholes, names and and license plates and home addresses and phone numbers of white supremacists or gangbangers or whatever. But there's no criminal violation present. And the courts have been pretty specific that we cannot go on a fishing trip. Like we ATF, we have an intelligence division, a branch. Mm that, you know, sort of the clearinghouse. So if a guy comes across a Hells Angel in New York that I busted in California 15 years earlier, you know, I mean, it's obvious. We keep records and we we gather intelligence. But we cannot solely go into an environment for the sole purpose of gathering information against um, un- flattering groups or, or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that's not probable cause. Just because they're marching against, you know, uh, they want to burn flags or whatever. Unless there's a criminal violation there, we can't stay in that group until we find a criminal violation to prosecute them on. That's not how it works. Yeah, you can't. Because that's how you get your, your intelligence units under government scrutiny, you know, you get yeah. them disbanded. Yeah, happened in San Francisco. Yeah, and it's because they were just they they weren't focusing on criminals; they were focusing on militants. Yeah, and that's and the flip side of that, the inverse of that, is the sort of um, the sort of you know, kind of you have to you have to respect your enemy. It's sort of the the beautiful game in the purest sense of uh, the object. It is, but that's where rat snakes. Rat snakes. Um, <laughs> that's where experience comes in because there's been a ton of times I've been asked to go in and make inroads into a group for some other state, you know, some other field division of my own. I'd fly out there and I'd make my best. At it. But you get in there and you you find out that there are a bunch of poop butts. Um, a bunch of shit talkers. Yeah. Um, 
wouldn't pull the trigger, wouldn't say shit if they had a mouthful. And you save time, energy, everything. If, if you know, you bring that board, you say, look, we're wasting our time here. Yeah. Yeah. It, you can't follow every... You know, Richard Butler and that whole bunch of knucklehead skinheads up the Aryan Nation in Coeur d'Alene. 99.999% yapping. Sure. Which you're, you're allowed to talk shit. You're allowed to do. You're allowed to walk around your property with a cool looking AR-15. Yeah. And- you can play G.I. And militaristic shit and talk shit about other races and creeds and religions and all that um, until you come off the property and do something. The problem, this is where you, you were talking about that walking that fine line or whatever. If you read or you should read um, stories on the order, the Bruderschwagen that, that formed out of the Aryan Nations. Okay. Um, David Matthews in that bunch. There was a bunch of hardcore guys that pulled together at the Aryan Nation and decided, hey, this collective group is a bunch of shit dogs. They're not going to do anything. They just talk a they lot of shit. Do but, action. You know, and this group, you know, um, patterned itself off of the Turner Diaries. They're the ones who killed the um, Jewish talk show host. Um, can't remember his name. Allen Berg. Okay. Um, they robbed an armored car. They, um, Dave Matthew, I mean, not Dave Matthew, um, <laughs> Michael Matthews was, um, got burnt down in, uh, Whidbey Island in a big shootout with the FBI. Had Barty armor. They killed a couple of state troopers. So the point of that story is you've got to spend enough time to see if, there's something smoldering within a group. Yeah. But once you decide there's not, (laughs) um, then it's time to cut, cut and run, you know? Yeah. And again, that's (laughs) thanks. But is, yeah, you're right. You kind of, you got to, yeah, is this just a bunch of pussies talking shit? In which case, okay, let them go. And is there that? And believe me, there's a lot of those out there. But is there a core? Right? Every bad guy I ever met, well, not every, a lot of the bad guys I've met, oh, I'm going to get you Uzi. Yeah. I'm going to get you Uzi, man. You're yeah. going to have an Uzi night. You better have that money, man. I'm going to get you that Uzi. Yeah. And they show up, and I'm like, dude, this is not a Uzi. This is a knockoff of a Tech 22. Yeah. Not what I ordered, and I ain't giving you a thousand dollars for that. Yeah. This isn't an Uzi. This is a stapler. Like, what are you trying to do? Yeah. Is, yeah. And it does get, yeah, it it gets, I was going to say, there is a badass part about that guy that, uh, they, what is it? He, uh, pulled some strings and got a U2 spy plane <laughs> to to go look for that kidnapping. True story. I'd believe hey, you gotta now as a boss I'm I'm like explode my head's exploding and I'm having to deal with Washington DC over your stupid <laughs> shit. But in the back of my mind I'm going, you know what? This guy had initiative. He thought he had some he was gonna be the hero for a day. He was gonna catch the SLA or Patty Hearst yeah. and all this shit. And because of his contacts, he pulled the trigger. Well, hey man. Maybe a little overzealous, but I'd rather have that guy. Yeah. 
than a guy who will never pull the trigger. Yeah. Had an opportunity to stop something or yeah. intervene or prevent something. Yeah. You know, I, I'd always err on the side of, you know what? Take a shot. Sure. If it's legal, you know, and within our policy or close to a policy somewhere, if it touches a policy somewhere, then try it and we'll beg forgiveness. Yeah, yeah. And it's, again, you can hear all about that in Rat Snakes. But is, yeah, the guy pulled off, so there's a kidnapping, and I won't spoil it, but yeah, a guy managed to pull some strings and get a U-2 spy plane to go up there. And it was, you're right, it's better to have the initiative and tell him to tone it down, right? But I mean... Shit, I'd, yeah, I'd rather have the guy that's like, yeah, we got a kidnapping. I'm going to find a U-2 spy yeah, plane. Yeah, give me 10 guys like that. You, give me 10 guys like that in a squad. You can get some shit um, done. We're going we're gonna, to uh, bang on some criminals. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be some people going to jail. Yeah. Because like you said, you just said it perfectly. As a boss, it's going to be easier. I, I'll rein them yeah, in. Bring it back in. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. You know, I'll let them chug on me. Mm-hmm. Um if I think they're getting too far out there for their own good or my good, but it's a lot harder when you got a group. And I've been in a couple of squads where their idea is getting to work at 10 in the morning, home by two. Yeah. Um, and didn't have as much the same enthusiasm for the job as some of us did. Didn't have the fire. Um, they were lazy motherfuckers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they weren't go. rat snakes. Yeah. No. Cheating death by living alive. Cheating death by living alive. Events today, Cephalu, available on Kindle and Audible, hardbook and paperback. You can get Audible. I did it on Audible. And Kindle. <laughs> and Kindle. And Kindle. And Kindle. Get it on Audible, and you can leave a five-star review, which I did this morning. But, yes, is you're right. It's better to – right? Because it's better to have some pit bulls protecting your house and have to keep them on a chain than have, I don't know, a 15-year-old wiener dog, you know, just you hey, know. hey, hey, easy, he's sitting right there. Hey, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, buddy. I apologize. It's easy, buddy. It's, it's okay. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I, I, I think put, I'm dying. You think I'm lying? No, I believe you. That would be awesome. Please have a wiener dog. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> Where is he? Oh my god. <laughs> what? What? He was talking about. I'm man. sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Please forgive me, buddy. <laughs> But okay, well, I'll, I'll put it. I was gonna mention my. Do- I put down my dog in May. He was seventeen and oh. a half and a toy poodle. So How old? Seventeen and a half. Oh wow! And he was he was his back legs were paralyzed from the time he was when he turned one. So he had a diaper for sixteen. His whole life. His two back legs didn't work. Yeah, for his whole life. Yeah. Wow, dude! He'd drag himself around inside. His he had pecs and biceps because he was so, <laughs> right. He was this big, dude. The dog talked so much shit, and because he was paralyzed, he couldn't fuck. So we never got him neutered. So he still had he had figurative and metaphorical balls, or no, sorry, figurative and literal balls. So he would even when he couldn't see shit and couldn't hear shit, if he smelled another dog, dude, he'd fucking try to chase off deer. You take him to the boardwalk. He'd try to chase off police horses. Dude had some. He had yeah. He had some bite in him. But yeah. Well, for a toy poodle. For a toy poodle. He was insane. Yeah. For a toy poodle. For a toy poodle. Oh, yeah. No, he was, dude, he was, that motherfucker didn't care. He couldn't see shit, couldn't hear shit, <laughs> barely stand. But yeah, he got, he was, he got, you know, I think his, I think his organs were failing. So I, I had to go put him down in May. And I went to the vet and they were like, um, they, they tried to hold their hands out, like give them to us. And I was like, what? And they're like, we well, can't come in because of COVID. 
And I just walked right by him and I went in anyway. I was like, I don't give a shit. I was like, this is my fucking this is 17 and a half. Years. I remember holding Oscar in middle school with braces watching on the news that we were invading Iraq. I was like, you're fucking high if you think I'm not walking in with this dog. And yeah, the the vet walked out and he looked at me. He didn't even say a word. He was like, how you doing, man? He didn't give a shit. And um, but yeah, yeah, that's the hardest thing I ever had. Oh my god, it killed me, dude. It, yeah, that's brutal. I was crying like a little bitch, and I remember I, uh, I I I emailed Dale, the the Delta Force guy who trains dogs in Bali for the government for like the cruise lines, right, to sniff out bombs and drugs. And here's Dale, just this you know Delta Force. He worked for the CIA. This dude's hard as fuck, and uh, he's like modern day Rambo. And I emailed Dale. I was like, Dale, I'm so sad. I miss my dog. Thinking Dale's going to tell me to shut up, right? But Dale raises dogs. Dale goes, hey, man, I know the feel. It's tough. And I was like, thanks, Dale. Needed that. But yeah, so I, I was going to say Oscar, but I realized I was like, let's choose Wiener Dog. Not knowing there was a Wiener Dog off screen. So I'm sorry, buddy. But yeah, it's. Yeah, I've divorced two wives. I've never divorced a dog. Exactly. Exactly. Be the person your dog thinks you are, right? That's that's a way to live life. Be the person your dog thinks that you are, because your dog doesn't look at you and like knows all the shit you did. Dog looks at you and is just like, I love you. <laughs> be, so be the person your dog thinks right. you are, right? Yeah, I heard another good quote right after I put Oscar down, and it was a, uh, and I was like, uh, you know, do dogs go to heaven? And someone was like, dogs don't go to heaven. You know, animals don't have souls. But then I, I saw some priests say, some priest goes dogs do go to heaven because he goes if you died and you got somewhere and all your friends and family were there but your dog wasn't there well that's not heaven <laughs> and i was like touche if your dog's not there it's not heaven exactly it wouldn't be heaven would it could be a very cool place not heaven it wouldn't be heaven heaven you go in there you see your you know your mom your dad your grandparents and then you see your dog i'm gonna steal yeah. that that's heaven you don't yeah. i might put that in rat snakes too rat snakes too which comes after rat snakes available on audible kindle <laughs> but it's 313 now let's run this bitch till 330 another 17 minutes well you better talk fast and i've about said everything i got to say well you know what I'm getting about tired of this shit well you know what that hurts that i'm hurts. sorry <laughs> I'm sorry too. I'm sorry to you. I just have not a lot. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry about it. I don't drink anymore, but I will drink my water. I'm gonna go to the bathroom again because I'm a bitch. Tell them where to buy rat snakes. <laughs> Tell them. Buy them anywhere. Books are sold. Amazon. Blah blah blah. Barnes and Noble. Go to www.ratsnakebook.com. Where'd he go? Oh, well, I guess he's gone. Well, it looks like we're back. 16 more minutes with me. I'm gonna try to... I got an idea. Now, yeah. But really, go buy Rat Snakes. It's a fucking great... And as you can see, I thought he was a cool guy when I read the book. He's, now I know. He's a badass guy. He's a funny guy. But I definitely... I want to get him to tell us more stories about the CIA. Because that's the real sexy stuff, right? That's the real... 
That's what I want to find out. I'm going to try to work. See if we can. Vince, are you there? Sorry. Where'd he go? No, no, someone. Not the wiener dog. Just me. Um, but, I mean, as you know, I mean, I guys, I go over a lot of audiobooks on here. It legitimately is a good book. It's legitimately, like, all, all kidding aside, it's good. If it wasn't a good book, I would have I would have plugged it once, and that's it. But it, it's a it's a good book. It's a funny book. It's a cool book, and it's um, it really is right. It's kind of like it. It's that sort of Hollywood depiction that you don't think is real, but it is real, right? There's one story he told is like this like a, uh, this armed guy was like approaching one of the cops. And they like didn't want to shoot him or something because he was like an informant, but they wanted needed to get him to stop. So the the cop just took his pants off and started jerking off, <laughs> and the, the 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 bad guy was like, "What the fuck?" And it was just enough time that they could like go tackle him and handcuff him. But hey, I mean, you know, guess if you're on line of duty and you just gotta start jacking off, start spanking your ham, I guess that's what you gotta do. But so the story he told about the CIA is, yeah, they had him, they called him in to go meet him somewhere. And they called him into this, like, it was like a, it was like a strip mall, not a strip mall, office. it was like an office park. And he goes into this office and he said it looked like it was put together that morning. You know, some like, you know, motivational framed pictures they grabbed from like Hobby Lobby or something. It was just slapped together. There was like a couple pieces of furniture there with the tags on, you know, a lamp. It looked like a really like cheap movie set is what he said. They slapped it together and he goes, I don't think there was anyone in that building before we got there. I think as soon as we left, all that shit was thrown in a dumpster, which is it just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up because, I mean, I love to think about the CIA. Love to imagine that it's right this shadowy thing. But there they were uncovering this massive this massive uh, acquisition of arms as well as stocks and like drilling machines stateside and they got a call from higher ups at the CIA to basically go home this is above you it's tied to like South Africa or something Hey man, make me famous. All right, I'll make you famous. But the strong clothes, strong, strong clothes. Well, you do know most of the podcasts or or interviews I've done have been a little more structured than this. Well, you know what? Good. That just oh. means that just means I stand out. Fuck them. Exactly right. Fuck them. Feed them fish. Fuck yeah. Fuck them. Feed them. Hey man, there's a, another good quote. If you're in the creative industry and you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing it wrong. So good. Fuck all of them. I'm doing it different. Good. If I did it the same, I would be insulted. Yeah, if you're not doing it different, there's no reason for anybody to watch you. Exactly. I mean, really. Yeah. Really, what? There's guys out there trying, a couple of my buddies have tried to do some podcasts and get them going. You know, they're kind of can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you gotta, you, you know, okay, Mr. Acephalu, all right, from uh, San Francisco, let's tell us about, fuck that, dude. You get on and you're just like, what's up, man? What's going on, right? Hey, Pa, I gotta go piss. And then it's just, it's just empty for two minutes. Come back in, zip up your pants. All right, let's do this. Because otherwise, you have to look at the, what's the reality of it? If I'm not offering something different, then if I'm offering the same thing as the shit you can see on TV, then why would you not watch the thing on TV with that? Well, exactly. You get, you get. X amount of time, or you choose to watch 
like my kids watch certain podcasts there yeah. on the Kung Fu mixed martial arts. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They watch certain podcasts, whatever. Um, you only get to pick one or two. You only got time in yeah. a day to watch one or yeah. two. Yeah. So you're gonna pick the one that you know suits your yeah. Yeah, you know, well, entertainment factor. That's what got me, man. When I was pre-med and all I did was study and I only had a little bit of time each day to listen to something entertaining, I started listening to a brand new podcast called The Joe Rogan Experience. And it, it, it got hooked because I was like, who is this motherfucker? He just, right? Dude, he's, he's irreverent. Exactly. That's what I love about him. Exactly. And that's what I'm, that's what I listened to him when it was brand new. And I was like, this is so different than the evening news. What, what I love about him is what ATF bosses hated about me. Just, yeah, yeah, just no fucks given. Completely respectful. He just, he doesn't play by the, you know, here's a tie and welcome to the nightly show. No, he's just like. I mean, there's literally supervisors out there that use the justification they get, should get promoted up the chain because I had to supervise Vince Sheffield. <laughs> right? Yeah. I did my time. Yeah, I, I, I did my time with Vince. Give me a fuck. I've also had supervisors. Uh, there's no secrets. Everybody thinks there's secrets in the government. There are no secrets in the government. Um, as soon as something happens across the country, everybody knows about it. Yeah. You know, or some version of it. Yeah. And more than one time, I was told that I, my head was on the chopping block um, to go from one squad to a different one, from major crimes to, to arson and explosives or wherever they my supervisor was sick of me and they couldn't get any volunteers to take me to the other squads well i don't know that i'm bragging about that i'm just stating i think it's a, i think it's bragging man i love it when people tell me that they're unsubscribing because they're offended i'm like good go the fuck away that's a badge of honor to me if someone's like i love it because it I'm like, no piss off um you probably get a lot of chicks right <laughs> you'd think right you think, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just go with that. I'm yeah. gonna, I'll just lie to you and tell you, yeah, man, I'm drowning in it, right? Come on, man. You're a celebrity. You're a superstar. Not yet. One day, maybe, hopefully. One day, I will. You know what? Do a snuff film. <laughs> Jesus Kill somebody on air. Just like- Kill somebody on your podcast. <laughs> I guarantee you, you will be the number one viewed guy in the country. That clip right there. That's going to be playing in the in the sixty minutes piece in five years when there's a documentary from podcaster to murderer. How did Tommy Kerrigan go from a clean cut? Well, it all started when I met Vince Sheffield, author of yeah, Rat, Snakes. Rat Snakes. Rat Snakes, author of Rat Snakes. Buy it here on sixty minutes. He killed a man live on. I mean, I've thought about that. You know, what's that quote? The the revolution will not be televised. Well, I've always thought like you know. But maybe the resistance can be can be live streamed. I'll get the Delta Force guys, and if the government keeps over uh, over overreaching, you know what would be cool? What's up? Is if you have one of the Delta Force guys kill you? Oh fuck! On your podcast, that might be what takes your me- mom and dad will be so rich. <laughs> Dude, people will be buying up every one of your podcasts for like. Well, Million. Because once I die, I'm famous, right? That's how it always happens. Yep. That's why I'm not selling as many books as I like. I'm still alive. I guarantee you, if at the end of my book I said, I got shot in the face and died, my book would be bestseller already. Maybe maybe we need to do a live podcast in person and we'll do a gas leak. No, you'll bring on some claymores that you seized and then we'll yeah. set them off. 
Well, except for that be really, really illegal. Well, it doesn't matter. We're going to be dead. Yeah, well, no. Right? Well, because the whole idea is to get the money, right? <laughs> but what I was going to say was I was going to segue that is to, yeah, move you around. I mean, they want you doing less shit. Well, let's talk about when that did happen at the end of your book because you, you blew a whistle on the Fast and Furious, right? The Obama administration, scandal-free. No. Here's the Fast and Furious scandal. And what did they do? They retaliated against you. They said, go sit at your desk. You're not, you're not going to have any duties. Oh, dude, it wasn't just me. The uh, the main whistleblower, the ground zero, John Dodson, yeah. who was there, yeah. who yeah. You know, testified before Congress. And yeah. They caved his head in. Yeah. They shaved years off of his life. Yeah. He, they made his life a living hell. Yeah. You know, uh, ultimately he prevailed just like I did, yeah. but um, it shouldn't have had to be that way. Yeah. And it's, I've, I've tried to reach out to him. I can't get in touch with him. It's, I don't think he wants to do it. Well, I, I asked him. I, I remember we had spoken on, or talked on the email or something. And um, he's not doing in much of that right now because he's on the job. Yeah. He's not doing interviews or yeah. anything anymore because he's, he's got about a year and a half to go. Okay. Okay. Before he retires, and okay. he just they they you know they resolved their dispute regarding fucking with him yeah. and let him go about his business, be an ATF agent for the rest of his career, and yeah, he's got some protection in place, and he doesn't really want to poke the tiger. Yeah, I get that, I get that, but but at the same time, he should absolutely do the podcast. But at the same time, you need somebody to like interview. Exactly. At the same time, yeah, I need I need him to come on the podcast, right? Well, I'll ship you an email with a couple of names and point of contact for guys do. you might be interested. Please do. I'll absolutely. I will absolutely have them on. And so, I wanted to ask you a little more about those intelligence things, but I also don't want you to give away your stories for free. So, I was going to say, I'm going to let's sign off. Don't 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 shut down uh, Zoom. I'm going to stop recording, and then I, I yeah, I sure to- you are. <laughs> you have my word, sir. You have my word. If I don't have it, hey, yeah, fucking. Well, then I guess fuck me. I don't never... care. Okay. If I cared, I wouldn't be talking to you. All right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop, pause, stop recording, and well, and for everybody listening, uh, Vince Jeff Lou buy his book Rat Snakes, and um, 